Welcome to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry, presented by Boston Women in Media and Entertainment, sponsored by Tech Help Boston. We all have stories to tell, and that's really what this show is all about. When we tell our stories, we pass along our experiences and our wisdom. Do you think that we are influenced by the talents we inherit? Welcome to the success story of one of Boston's most loved and respected fashion designers. Her grandmother was also a designer from Damascus, Syria, and her grandfather was a pattern maker who owned a women's dress factory in Beirut, Lebanon. In the case of Denise Hajar, the apple did not fall far from the tree. Denise, welcome to the show. Candy, it's so great to be here. Thank you for we having me. We haven't seen each other in a while. You look fantastic. Thank you. Tell me about where you grew up. What was that like? So I was fortunate to grow up in Boston's South End. Not South Boston, but the South End. And that's where both sets of grandparents settled from Lebanon and Syria. And at that time, it was still not the area that we know it now. Well-respected and the real estate value and all of that. But we had such a great childhood growing up back then. It was a huge Syrian and Lebanese community. That's where all the churches started back then. And then when my parents met, one street over from each other and got married, that generation moved to the suburbs. So then all the churches moved to the suburbs. And that's where I grew up. I grew up in Norwood, went to school in Norwood. But as soon as I graduated high school, came right back and lived with my grandmother in the South End and went to school. Let's talk a little bit about the influence that your grandparents had on you. Because when I first started introducing you, I really do feel that the apple didn't fall far from the tree. What was the lesson in your house, and what did you learn from your grandparents? When I was young and would spend my summers with my grandmother, because for about five years we lived in Ohio, my dad started a business there, I would spend my summers, and my grandmother, who couldn't speak English, would give me fabric and teach me how to cut and make clothes for my barber dolls. And I would just watch her, and I think it started then. Then. And she would show me with a needle and thread how to sew. And I would start making my Barbie doll clothes. And that's literally how it all started. And then when I got old enough to have a machine and understood how to use the machine, I would buy patterns and manipulate the patterns and start making clothes for my mom. And that's how that whole journey started. My mom was my muse. And I made all her clothes for work and all her gowns for different events. What did you learn from doing that so early on? I'm going to guess it must have made you feel awful good. You're able to make something for your mom. You must have had the nicest Barbie doll dresses anybody ever had. I did. And I also made all my own clothes. I mean, the funny story is, oh, yes, I walked into home economics class with a pantsuit that I had made. And the teacher said, why are you here? We're making aprons and you you made a jacket and a pair of pants. I just loved it. It's all I ever knew. And my mom, being a fashionista, loved the fact that I wanted to make clothes for her because My mother and her two sisters couldn't sew a button. It literally skipped a generation. She was all on board about me making and sewing clothes. And I just did it every week. And it was something that was a passion of mine. I loved it. So you then went on to fashion school. Talk a little bit about that. I did. Right before that, I also thought I was going to be a ballerina. So I trained classically for 15 years every day in the ballet. And I would go back and forth to New York to take classes. And I Literally thought that was I was going to do, but I also made the costumes for the ballet. And the week before my audition with Jodfrey Ballet, I dislocated my kneecap. I was doing a double torgeté in the air, which is like a spin in the air, and I landed. I went one way, the knee went the other way. 
So that ended it like that. And my beautiful teacher, Mrs. Merrill, said, don't put your eggs in one basket. You are going to continue on with your fashion design career. And that's at that moment is what happened. And Isn't I just had so interesting. full force concentrate on that. Yeah. But let's talk a little yeah. bit about your love of dance, because I know that to this day, you're also a ballroom dancer. So fast forward 40 years. <laughs> My parents were ballroom instructors when they were first married at Arthur Murray. And there's pictures of my parents dancing. And I used to dance with my dad at the church dances. And he was a great leader. And I loved it. And I picked it up so easily. And I wanted to do it. And my father goes, I'll show you. I'll show you. Well, that never happened. About six years ago, all the Lebanese sincere churches had a fundraiser to build an elderly housing building for the senior Lebanese community. I said, oh, this is a good way to get back into it. I did. I ended up winning overall. It was at Mosley's on the Charles. It was great. <laughs> and I just wanted to continue. I said, you know what? This is my chance to go back into dancing. And I never looked back. And I just, I love it. I absolutely love the ballroom dance world. And your costumes are beautiful to this day. Yeah. Let's go back to your school of design, your fashion design. When you were in school, I'm going to guess that you already had a sense of what kind of designer you wanted to be. So when I applied back then, you had to apply and you had to bring a portfolio and you had to show your work. And so clearly I went in with all my clothes. And the president at the time, Mr. Alatoski, was amazed by my level of sewing ability. So he said, clearly you can do this. Sketching, not so much, but sewing, I was spot on. And he said, I had a clear vision. He said, you know, you have an idea of what you want to do. And till this day, I consider myself classic contemporary with a twist. It's all about the workmanship. It's all about the fabric, the detail, the color, the texture. I'm not about crazy designing. I bring my clients, like I said, to the edge, but not over. How do you want someone to feel when they wear your clothes? I want them to love who they are when they wear my clothing and know that every time they wear it, that they're going to feel good and people are going to comment. So it's not about the clothing making them feel good. It's about them wearing the clothing that makes them feel good. If you want to see Denise's works, you can go to her website. Tell us your website. So my website is Denise Hajar. 2Js.com. I have a Facebook page, Denise Hajar Boston, Instagram at Denise Hajar Boston. I just moved to a beautiful new location where I'm part of a lifestyle brand called Setting the Space. I am part of that brand now where I can do my work there, sell my work there, do custom. It's good. Your clothes have been worn by people all around the world at this point. What does I, it feel to have your, your label on something? So when I was first starting out, I was a workaholic, and I kind of still am, but you just are working, 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 trying to get your name out there, trying to get recognition, trying to get known. And so you'll do a lot when you're young. So a lot of opportunities came my way, and, and I kept saying, well, the work will be recognized, and it started getting recognized, and I've had these wonderful opportunities to dress so many wonderful people all over the world. Giving back. Why is that so important to you? So again, when I was young and starting out, had no money. It was all about the fabric and the designing, but I had no money. I said, what is a good way to get yourself out there known and market yourself? Get involved with charities. Give back. I decided to get involved with as many charities that needed my services, 
whether by donating an outfit, whether dressing an MC, whether being part of the event itself, being on the committee. My motto was giving back should be the rule and not the exception. And I stand by it till this day. Let's go back to 2006 when you were asked by the very famous Fairmont Copley Plaza Hotel in Boston to open up your own little boutique. You were their designer in residence. And I do remember coming to see you there. And boy, that was really quite something. It was. It'll be one of my favorite periods of of all time. March of that year, I had applied for the first time on Project Runway, and I remember not getting in and driving back with my model friend, Tashu, and listening to my messages. And Peggy Dre had left a message on the phone saying that John Krellen wanted to talk to me at the Fairmont. And I honestly thought he wanted a gift certificate for a fundraiser. So I called her. and I said, well, I'm teaching that morning, and I'll come by in the afternoon. So when I went by and I met John, who was like the most wonderful person, He said, we actually want you to open up a boutique in the lobby and be our designers and residents. I was so happy I had a long coat on because I was shaking. Every part of me was shaking and time stood still. I just couldn't believe what I was hearing that he wanted this to be. He said, we wanted somebody authentically local. I read all about you and you're it. I just got into the car and cried my eyes out. And it's still emotional to this day because he gave me that first break. You know, he believed in me and wanted someone like me and not just a national brand. And oh my God, because of him, I I just am so thrilled to have had this happen to me. Could you reach out to a young designer right now and tell her what you wish you knew when you first got started? I tell them, you know, you have to more than love the business. If you just say, I want to be a fashion designer, it will not happen. It takes so many other skills. You have to know the business world. You have to know the marketing world. You have to know how to manufacture, how to merchandise, how to run people, work with people. And it takes all of that. And there was no training when I went to school back then. It was just learning how to be a fashion designer. So I went to the School of Hard Knocks (laughs) and survived because I had you know, a little bit of chutzpah and I was just driven and I wasn't going to fail. Many times I should have, but you just dig deeper and say, I'm going to just push through it. But I tell the kids when I speak to them, they have to know much more than their just fashion design world. They'll burn out too quickly because they'll see that it's a lot of work. And I've had interns who've interned with me And at the end of the internship, they've thanked me. They said, you know, this is not maybe what I should be doing. I realize how hard you work, and I don't know if I have it in me just yet. So then I've done my job. That's right. Sometimes figuring out what you don't want to do is just as important as figuring out what you do want to do. So this tells me that mentoring is also a big part of what you've done. Huge, 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 huge. I do it several times a year, take on several interns at the same time. Some of them you know right away are going to be rock stars. Some your concern. Some are doing it because their rich mommy and daddy sent them to school and they just need to do this for school. You know, I take the internship seriously. And when I write those reports, I've had a couple of them not happy with my remarks, but I have to be honest because I'm trying to help them. You know what? Maybe this is not what you should be doing. Maybe you should be a buyer, not a designer. Maybe you should be you know, in textiles, or maybe you should be writing fashion. Not everyone can do fashion designing. I take this part of that seriously, and I want to pay it forward. It's knowledge is power. You've been doing this for about 35 years? 
Yes, definitely. How has your style changed? Please support our sponsors. They make this show possible. More than 30,000 families and businesses have trusted TechHelpBoston.com since the year 2000. Dave Elmazian, president of TechHelpBoston, with the reasons why. It's really about forging a relationship and having a trusting relationship because your technology is very personal to you. It used to be in the old days that things were private. When you're online, nothing is private anymore. And we want to make sure that that information is kept confidential and with somebody that you trust and you feel comfortable with. You can trust Tech Help Boston to keep your computer and systems running right. Call 781-484-1265 or visit techhelpboston.com. That's techhelpboston.com. I started in 1983. I was in my late 20s. I remember doing corduroy skirts and jumpers. I don't do corduroy skirts and jumpers anymore. So as I've grown and as I've matured as a woman and as a businesswoman and as a fashion designer, my clients have grown with me. The things that I've stayed constant was I've had to be very careful about trends. Trends and style are two different things. Style always will stay. Trends come and go. So just because... Low-rise pants are in doesn't mean that women of a certain age should be wearing because our bodies are different or see-through clothing or crop tops. I say, you can't go back 100%. So I've stayed true to that and I've, I've not done things just because they're showing it in the magazines. I'm saying, then go buy it. Whatever I do, I want it to last in the closet and that you're going to have it for a long time. New York City's Fashion Week. I actually just came back. I got an opportunity to do it. I got asked. They saw my work. And this lovely Maggie Delaney, who runs one of the shows in New York for I don't know how many years now, saw my work through another person and called me and said, we would love to have you participate. And I'm like, wow. I jumped at that opportunity to come with my pieces. I had we, I was able to show 15 pieces you know, there was like other designers. I opened up the second half. It was an incredible experience to be part of all the hair and the makeup and the models and the music. And it was great. I enjoyed all of it. How does it feel, Denise, when it all comes together and you see these pieces that you've worked so hard on and they're on these beautiful models and people are clapping? I, I have to think it must be an incredible moment for you. It's a rush. I don't have models coming in to try on in the beginning stages. I have to go by my gut. I have to go by my expertise knowledge about pattern making and fit and knowing. And then you have to know how to judge quickly. When you see these all these models lined up and you're choosing, you're 15, you have to say, okay, that one's going to look good in this one. And that one's going to look in the gown and the pantsuit. And that's where the expertise comes in. Yeah. And I'm grateful that I have that. I'm like my boyfriend says, it's amazing. You pick the right model for the right outfit every single time. And I'm grateful that I can do that. And so and then when I see it all together with the hair and the jewelry and I bring all my own jewelry, it's just so cool. And the music. And that's a huge part of it. And I'm standing there and I'm like, wow. And I'm applauding <laughs> myself. <laughs> Giving yourself a little tap yeah. on the shoulder. What would your grandparents say about this oh, success God. story of they yours? They could never imagine that I took it to this level. I think about that all the time. I said, God, I wish, I, I hope they know how far I took it. I just took it to a whole nother level. 
and made it happen. And I'm the only one. I mean, now no one, nobody in my family. Uh, I just have one niece and she's a mom now and a nurse. So it kind of is going to end with me, which is, you know, hey, it is what it is. Maybe it'll skip a generation. That's right? true. There is hope. You're also going to be on the cover of a magazine. This wonderful lady named Cynthia Hudson had approached me several times. She wanted to write about me an article, and we just never could get together. It never worked out the last several years. And then this last time she called me, it just worked out. And she said, I want to do a retrospective. I want to do work of all the years you've been doing this. And I said, well, that's from the 70s. She goes, ah, even better. She said, I'll give you whatever, how many pages you need. 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000, I'll give you as many pages as you need. And I want a story about you through this whole thing, your whole journey. Lucky me, one of the models that I use, her cousin is a phenomenal photographer named Chris Nordstrom. She shot my last fashion show. I couldn't believe she blew it out of the water. And I said, I want you to shoot this photo shoot for me because I want it. I don't want it just traditional backdrop click. We did it at a hotel. This is where John Krellen comes back into my life. He's now the GM at the Boston Park Plaza Hotel. When I reached out to him, he said, absolutely, you can use the hotel for your photo shoot. We shot it outside on a cold Sunday. The girls are running around in the streets. Chris is just shooting everywhere. Wait to see this photo shoot. It's just amazing. And to see the clothes that I did in the 1970s come back to life, it got very emotional. It really did. And to see the clothes I made for my mom and the clothes I did in school on these beautiful young models, there are no words. There are no words. What is the name of the magazines? The magazine is called Aspiring Magazine. You can go to her website. And I know it's supposed to drop in different places of Barnes & Noble and this is something I never thought would happen, ever thought would happen in my life. Here's the thing. When someone asks you to do a retrospective, it's because your career has been so deep. What has been the biggest lesson for you in this journey, Denise? You know, I know this is going to be corny. Lady Gaga said something when she got the Oscar. Yep. It's about not giving up. And so deep down, I just never gave up. I might have wanted to. You get tired and you get burnt out and you get beaten up. You say, why didn't I win this? And why didn't I get on this show? I still just never gave up. If you don't give up, wonderful things happen. I also wrote in the article, and I truly believe this, if you believe in a higher power and a higher being, God doesn't always give you what you think you want. He gives you what you really need. And so I've accepted that too, because that person, she or he, is much smarter than me. <laughs> things are happening because this is what I really need. When an obstacle is in your path, Denise, how do you get around it? Ooh, <laughs> I wish my family was here. They all have an opinion. I'm driven. I'm stubborn. Uh, I have tenacity. I don't take no for an answer. I think outside the box. I'm a visionary. I just will do whatever it takes to make it work, make it happen, find the answer. I've had everything happen it's so cliche. I've had no money. I've had to sleep on the couch. I've had my electricity shut off and the phone shut off back in the day. And I've had all of that. And you just have to say, there's another answer. There's other answers. There's another solution. And you have to kind of peel away and something will present itself to you. Like this last move I made at the Intercontinental, the rent was just too crazy for me. It wasn't working. I really had no place to go. And then I get a phone call from these wonderful men, Will and Blair, that own Setting the Space. They said, well, why don't you come to one of our stores and set up shop there? I never thought that that would happen. 
And so there was an opportunity. I said, okay, let's do it. Adversity is a great teacher. Yes, it is. Sometimes the lessons are hard, right? Yes. What is the best advice that you have ever received as a businesswoman or as, you know, in your personal life? And can you pass it along to yes. our listeners? Again, I tell students all the time, this wonderful lady that has helped me along the way. And when I was younger, I thought I wanted to be famous because that's what you think. Fame is everything. Fame will bring you everything. And she said, you can be famous and poor or you can be unknown and rich. I was on the path of being famous, but poor. So I kind of had to retweak and regroup. I decided not to worry about all the noise around me, who was getting articles, who was getting this, who was getting that award, and just do my craft. And then I started making money. That's has stayed with me. The other thing that stayed with me was when Julie Hatfield was the fashion editor of the Globe. Very important lady. I wanted an article written about me so badly. And she said, my dear, let's see how long you last in the business. You come back to me in two years. And if you're still in the business, I will write an article. Two years later, I was knocking on her door and she said, I will write the article. And she became not only a customer of mine, but a good friend until she retired from writing fashion. So I get all of these. I have wonderful people in my life to this day that give me good advice. You're never too old not to get advice. I'm 63. I'm still getting good advice because things have changed. The world has changed. The way you do business has changed. The designing world has changed. In order for me to stay on the pulse of what's going on, you have to be open and willing to get advice and how you're going to run your craft the way you want to run it for now until you're ready to make a change. I believe that relationships are everything. And connections are like diamonds that we must always cradle in our hands. How important have relationships been in your life? My family has been there from day one to this day. They have been my rock. My good friends have been with me. And I include some of the models that have been with me from day one. I thought I was just going to be a career girl, single career girl forever. And I met my guy, Mario, three years ago, and he's now my rock. He is with me with everything. So you realize that you are lucky because that doesn't, not everyone can say this. Not everyone can say I have all these incredible people in my life. Complete the sentence. Denise Hajar's creations are. Timeless with a twist. I say that I'm fashion-forward, timeless elegance. That's how I'm going to leave it. At this moment, at this time in your life, right where you are right now, which is in a pretty good spot, what does success mean to you? That I've been able to have this career, my only thing I've ever done since 1983. To say that you could be a designer in Boston and make it work and have a business... For this long time, an honest-to-goodness full-time business doing what I'm doing is unheard of. I love this city. I love Boston. I always say this is my hometown, and I'm very proud to be a Bostonian. God rest Mayor Menino. He was a champion for young entrepreneurs. He came to so many of my shows. I'm very fortunate that I could make it work here all these years. I want to say thank you so much for being our guest today on the story behind her success, Denise Hushman. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry. This is a series with one goal in mind, to shine the spotlight on women doing great things with their lives. We hope these weekly stories will motivate and inspire you. If you'd like to suggest someone for Candy to interview, she'd love to hear about her. Connect with her anytime on Facebook, Twitter, and her website, CandyOterry.com. That's C-A-N-D-Y-O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. You'll find all of these links in the show notes. What's your story?